0: Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor Kay. And today we have Brandon Farbstein on the podcast, a renowned empowerment speaker, a Gen Z activist, and author of 10 Feet Tall. Brandon inspires millions of people across the world with his universal message of living life on your own terms and building the framework for personal growth. I've come across some of Brandon's accomplishments through social media, but as fate will have it, we both ended up in the same incredible program by the Ruderman Foundation. They hosted this program called Lead 20 at, at MIT, which brings together social influencers in the areas of inclusion, leadership and advocacy to participate in a highly unique program that teaches strategies and builds an incredible network to equip participants with a new sense of a community and power to make this world brighter and more inclusive. After graduating from MIT, that's right. We are actually graduates from MIT. How cool is that? (laughs) You hear that, Mom? I'm a graduate of MIT. Uh, I've invited Brandon on the podcast, which leads us to this very moment, which I'm very grateful for and thankful to you for taking the time to listen and learn from my new friend, Brandon Farbstein. Brandon Farbstein is here on the Great Day podcast. My day is that much greater. It feels that much more greater because we are sharing space right now. Brandon, thanks so much for making the time and uh, and hopping on the on the good old podcast.
1: Finally, man, been a long time coming. I'm so glad we can make this happen.
0: Yes, yes, yes. For for a while now, I've been uh, I've been seeing your you coming up and and sharing your light with the world and uh, from TEDx uh, stages uh, to lives and to, uh, 10 feet tall, your book, which uh, I love to to talk about as well. Uh, Brandon, like how, how are you handling all this? I would say recognition. Fame is a bit of a tricky word there, but you are getting a lot more recognized out there in the world, especially I know you go about saying that you're a Gen, Gen Z activist. How do you process all this from being this kid you know, being bullied growing up. And i love to hear more about your story to taking on all this responsibility in a way and showing up in the world in such a powerful way.
1: Yeah. You know, I love what you just said. Responsibility. That is what I truly feel in my heart every single day, having the platform, having the role that I'm in, that I've stepped into. It feels like an immense responsibility because I want to not only show up as my best self on a daily basis and get past my own limitations and adversity that people may not see, but also encourage others to step into the best version of themselves and to use what they've been given to change the world in whatever ways that they can. And so for me, it's all about now understanding that where I am is exactly where I need to be. And it's not on my timeline. And what that means is, I still have bad days. I still have moments where I'm completely overwhelmed and paralyzed with anxiety and depression, even with the personal development work that I've done and yada, yada. I still have to go through it. I still have to do the work on myself before I could go out and give advice to hundreds of thousands or millions of people every year. And so that's been the Big underlying constant for me that I can't walk, I can't talk the talk if I don't walk the walk. And it's immensely hard to try and be authentic and vulnerable and and the most you version of you being a young person and, and still figuring who that person is but trying to share it with the world because you have a platform and you have all these people that are expecting you to do that. And so I'm just at the end of the day, so grateful. And I could not imagine where my life would be if I didn't have this mission that Gets me so fired up on a daily basis, even on the days that I'm feeling down and I'm feeling low energy or depressed or whatever it is. Knowing that I am able to make an impact on others and they're able to then do something great with their own life is so incredibly fulfilling, and it keeps me going.
0: That's that's incredible. I mean, and 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 that message comes through, and, and it, it's such an interesting and powerful thing that you just shared is that, you know, as a young person, you're, you just turned 21 years old. Um, Congratulations. I know, I know this because you posted about it and I I love following you, but also we, we planned this out and then your family surprised you and took you out for your first legal alcohol drink. Uh, Congratulations (laughs) on that. Um, But it's, it's, it is amazing though at 21 to have accomplished so much that you have uh, intellectually and, and emotional intelligence is, is sky, sky rocketing, but it's also like you're discovering yourself and, and feel, figuring yourself out. And to be told sort of like who you are, what you are by the world that have this sort of expectation thrown on you as you're developing yourself is is quite, it could be quite turbulent, uh, but you having that awareness is is tremendous. And I think anybody who is listening is, is like that balance between being open to the world, taking on responsibility, and also don't pigeonhole pigeonhole yourself into what people are telling you who you are and to figure and and allow that process to take hold. And if that may shift from what people expect of you, that's okay too. As, as long as you're just, you know, keeping in touch with who you are always coming back to, you know, what feels right. What, what, what makes sense to you as you, as you carry on, on this journey of life, because whether you're 21, 31, 41 and so on, there will always be these moments of, and to create these moments of reflection to say, wait a second, how do I feel about this? What am I going through right now? Touch base and then and continue forward. Uh, so you just, that's that's exactly what you're going through. And, and, and as you shared beautifully before, you know, we're jumping a little ahead and perhaps people don't know too much about who you are, Brandon, you know, um, and I, I hope you could correct me on this. But like, I know you have you've, you were born with a unique form of dwarfism. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, and I, you could perhaps enlighten me as well as listeners exactly what that is and the limitations that come about um, with being born with with uh, with dwarfism.
1: Absolutely. So my specific form of dwarfism, which by the way, there are over two hundred various cases under that fall under dwarfism. So mine is a condition called metatropic dysplasia, and when I say rare there are less than 100 cases reported in medical history. so Not just a year, history. Yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, and if you think about how many billions and billions of people are not only currently on this earth, but are technically recorded in, in the medical books for hundreds and hundreds of years, that's crazy. And wow. so what it has meant... You're truly, is,
0: You're truly one in a million or one in a billion.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, I used to think that was a negative. I used to hate that. I resented every part of who I was because I didn't see the point. I didn't see the reason why God made me this way. And he put me in this body with daily pain and constant bullying and torment. I had a time when all I wanted was to end my life and not be me anymore and i remember distinctly coming home from school one day when i was 11 and saying to my mom i'm done i just can't do this anymore and i don't want to continue living i don't want to be me and suffer with this pain both in my bones but also that that i couldn't express emotionally that that I was feeling inside. And so what I said to her was, I'm going to kill myself. And that was my way of very desperately saying, I need help. I am alone. I feel like the world is kind of crumbling in on me and, and I feel all that weight. And so I went up to my room and I slammed the door and my mom was only a minute behind me, but I wrapped a belt around my neck and I was very, very close to ending my life and taking an action that I would have regretted very, very much so. And I'm incredibly blessed to have a superhero as a mom and also a really amazing dad as well. And My mom was the one who physically got in my room and stopped me from partaking in the act. And she just wrapped me in her arms and we sat there sobbing for a good 15 minutes. And from that moment on, I was able to get professional help. And it honestly took me about five or six different counselors and therapists until I found somebody that I could talk to in a comfortable way that I felt like not only could understand me, but could really hear me and see me for who I was and, and what was also inside that I didn't necessarily have the, the words or the tools to express at that time and period of my life. And so being invisible for the first 15 years of my life was really how I felt. and. From that period of being 11 to 15, I would say ups and downs, and and overall, the constant was just a lot of bullying, a lot of exclusion, and I had to rely on myself, because I found that I was alone most of the time. And so, yeah, I felt really invisible up until I had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk. and. That was the very first time that I decided to share my story, but also
0: before we say- jump into the TEDx talk, because that was a, I think a pivotal moment in your life, tr- tremendously, um, which I think brought you to, to sharing yourself to the world and, and that taking off and br- before we jump into that, because I really want to little unbox what you just shared, yeah. And thank you for sharing so vulnerably, I mean, such an intimate moment with yourself and, and facing uh, a very harsh um, reality and, and, and noticing like, and, and sharing that with your mother, what, 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 at what moment in your life did you really, I know you said at 11, you, you really decided to take your own life, but is there, was there a time where you realized, you know, you go about life living, not noticing that you're different. At what point in life did you realize like, wait a second, looking around, I'm, I'm different than everybody else. And I'm going through a different reality than everybody else. When did that occur to you and 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 how did that and how did that
1: happen? Yeah, I think the first big moment where that happened and and I realized that I wasn't like the others around me, I was four years old, and I don't remember this, but my mom told me uh this story, and kind of it's interesting when things like that kind of respark your memory. Um, I was looking in the mirror. And looking at my legs, and I saw that they weren't straight. They were kind of bow legged and, and curved outward. And I said to my mom, why do my legs look weird? And she said, they don't look weird. They're just different. And you are different. And being different is a great thing. And that was the first time that I think it clicked that I really am not like, the other kids around me, the other people around me and I started having major leg surgeries at that time as well. So I was three or four when I had my first one that left me in a wheelchair and double leg casts for about six months and obviously in in that period being so young not being able to run around and play and go to preschool and all of that, that really reaffirmed that, no, I really am different. And I I have things that other people don't have in terms of my limitations and, and what I have to go through and whatnot. But then it was going from my own internal, oh, wait, I'm different to the world starting to react to me in in a way that made me feel very different. And that was probably when I was starting around eight or nine, when the other kids started to noticeably grow quite taller than me. And I got, it, it wasn't bullied at that time. I would call it more teasing in elementary school in the younger years, but just the, the overall act of being excluded and being targeted and, and kind of called out for my look and, and for just being who I was and, and really nothing else. And I didn't like that at all. And it really got to the point, starting in middle school, but really in high school, the bullying got so severe. And when social media got on top of that, it, the pot just boiled over. And I started getting death threats from the peers at my school. And literally the very first week of of my freshman year of high school, I had a tweet that was going around uh, that had hundreds and hundreds of retweets. That was, I think, a video of me going down the hall of my high school. Um, And to give context, I had this really badass Segway mobility device that drew a lot of attention. And the kids really did not like that. They did not appreciate the fact that, like, who is this kid? Who's this freshman who gets to ride around on a Segway and look as dope as he does and, and all this stuff? Heck, yeah. And is that the same
0: one from the TEDx talk? Not yeah. The yellow one? Oh, yeah, it's, that's amazing. Yeah, so,
1: you know, it looks like a, a combination of a, a Transformer and a Lamborghini. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, so it, I wasn't trying to yeah, I wasn't trying to like blend in either. And I knew it was going to draw attention, but I didn't think it was going to draw that level of attention in terms of the the amount of negativity and how they use that to target me. And so this video that that went around was just a five second video of me passing somebody on my Segway. And it said the first person to punt the midget off the Segway gets $5. And then... Whoa. from the, and that that was like just surface level compared to most of the other stuff that pretty immediately I started experiencing um this is the ugliest thing i've ever seen he's never going to find anybody that loves him the world would be a better place if this midget just killed himself um and then after i gave the tedx talk when i was 15 freshman i thought things were going to get better i wasn't expecting it to be a solution or any sort of anything in terms of just helping my peers see me for who I was and, and maybe understand my story a little bit more than than just knowing me as the kid on the segway. Have and, you been
0: ap- sorry I was going to ask you have you recently has anybody recently come out any past bullies come out and apologize reach out to you to connect with you and did you have any friends during that time? Did anybody reach out to you say, hey, Brandon, I see you. Could we be friends?
1: So the first part of the question, in the last couple of years, I have had a few people that have reached out to me that either were involved in, in some direct way of targeting me or, or sending me messages or whatever, or they saw it happen and they didn't do anything. And mm-hmm. it's been clearly on their conscience and on their heart. And they wanted to reach out and say, look, I this doesn't make it right and this doesn't correct it, but I just wanted to say, I'm sorry. And I've heard from some of the people, um, one person said that they were being abused by their dad. Another one was saying they, w- they were bullied all their life and the only way that they knew how to take any of that energy out was to put it onto somebody else like me um, and just on and on. And And what I learned from that was that hurt people hurt people. And until that cycle is stopped, Unfortunately, it's just going to keep perpetuating. And that's why it's so incredibly vital when we see something to say something. And I'm not saying we have to step in and and be the superhero, but it truly is our obligation to use our voice and to do the right thing when we're in a situation that allows us to.
0: Amazing. Have you been able to face your bullies, whether in a physical sense or or mentally, emotionally, and forgive them?
1: That's a great question. It's been really hard to be honest, and I've gotten into a, a place now where I feel like I do have forgiveness, but that forgiveness does not necessarily heal the wounds, and it's two different things and two different beings, and so. While I I feel like I've done a lot of work in terms of forgiveness, I am now realizing that I still have a lot of wounds to heal that I may not have realized I had even going from years and years ago. And I feel like for a lot of us, that's also the case because we get so busy and we distract ourselves, whether consciously or subconsciously, And we compound these things that we go through. And we don't always give we don't always give ourselves the time and the energy and the space to heal and to go through it. But allowing yourself to feel your feelings and to really go through something as it comes up is such a gift. And it may not feel like it because it's still gonna be uncomfortable. It's not gonna make the pain go away. But in those moments, I feel like we both learn and can grow the most. And if we can learn to not get paralyzed by the things that happen to us and also understand how much true strength and resilience is inside of each and every human being because to get where we are right now and overcome every obstacle, every adversity, and every roadblock that has gotten in each of our way is beyond a miracle. And I think we have to bring that to light and, and recognize how much of a gift our simple existence today, right here, right now, our breath is. It is such a gift. And we, like I said before, I truly feel like we all have an obligation to use what we've been given to shine our light as much as we possibly can, even in the dark days and in the moments when we feel like we don't have much to give. In my own personal experience, that has been what has really carried me through in the moments of feeling despair, feeling really down, when I can do something to make somebody else's day just that much better, just that much more positive or bright
0: it yeah, means everything
1: I, to yeah. that person and you
0: sure i found even in you know during my my growth and and as my you could say online brand has has grown when i've gotten more comfortable and it takes a lot of courage and faith uh, to share those moments when it's not a perfect day when the makeup is off but to even share that to with somebody whether it's on a offline or online removing all doubt that it may harm the brand or people may not appreciate it or people want to see a certain side to you. I think it's in those moments of vulnerability that when things aren't perfect and it's not a great day, but you share that, what you're going through, it gives people permission to feel the same way to see a deeper side to you. I think it even deepens quote unquote the brand, because I think and you could tell me if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a generation millennial, but it seems like generation Z is a lot more hungry for authenticity, and they can see a lot through the BS a lot more easier. They know when it, whether it Fair comes to advertisers, so. when it comes to sponsorships, when it comes to people that they look up to, admire, um, friends. They are just like we're in, you know we don't want that anymore. We do, we want real authentic communication. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I think
1: with that, I think the the whole fake it till you make it mentality is dead. And sure, there are people that still can put on a facade successfully for a little bit, and they may get a lot of followers, a lot of money, a lot of whatever that they're looking for, but that's not long-term. That's not going to continue and sustain them. And people eventually will always be able to figure out who that true person is and and. The facade is going to crack at some point, and so that's why it truly is just so important to be the most you version of you. Even I, I love what you said on the days where you're just not on brand. You know, you're not the person that people usually see. That's okay. That's what it means to be human.
0: Yeah. So we did leave off on the story in which you you got invited to speak at a TEDx event when you were 15 years old unbelievable. And for those who are listening, uh, I highly recommend checking out, uh, brand talk on, on YouTube. That being said, how, and you can share with me that experience, but I have a question for you of how do you go about sharing a story, a personal story like yourself and not coming off in a way that people feel bad for you, but feel inspired by you.
1: That's a really great question. At the end of the day, you could only be as genuine and authentic as you can, and people are going to take it as they are. And so that's not to to psych you out and say, well, what if people react negatively and and blah, 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 what if, what if? It's people are going to resonate with you even if they don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. And the universal feelings that we all can relate to feeling worthless feeling unworthy feeling invisible yada yada you don't need to be three foot nine in order to to know what that's like and that's what i realized and so it's it's truly about coming from a place of not being the victim and that's where other people recognizing and and reading into what is coming across to them, even in just your body language, your tonality and, and seeing the look in your eyes too. And so I I realized that I didn't ha- I didn't need to be the victim of my circumstances anymore. And if I chose to be the victor, if I chose to be the person that could overcome and could make something out of that, then that just automatically would inspire people and I knew that. And so that's what I decided to do and that's also how I've decided to commit to living my life because I'm somebody that always can have an excuse and can always have a reason to say why I cannot do something but I don't want to live my life in a in a limited way. I want to adapt, I want to see things as they are and not try and create a false reality or a false narrative but I also don't want to be defined by how other people try to define me because society isn't used to seeing somebody who's three foot nine and 21 years old and looking and speaking the way that I do. And and so that leaves me with two choices every day. I could either react and be triggered by when people do something that I think is an attack on me, like staring at me or laughing at me, taking a video as I go by, yada, yada, or understanding that people are inherently curious. People don't necessarily know how to react if they've never experienced or never encountered somebody who looks so different. And I could be that person. I could be literally the only person that a child sees that looks like me and and in that five second interaction passing by, if I don't have a smile on my face or if I don't wave or if i'm not friendly in in some way that's going to be remembered because people remember the guy passing by on I now have this really dope bright orange segue, and I just that that also, I I feel an obligation. I feel an obligation to be an ambassador as I step out into the world as as myself, an ambassador for not just other people with dwarfism, but an ambassador for anybody who's different, anybody who's felt invisible or, or not seen and heard. And maybe I could be somebody that changes somebody's perspective just a little bit that day so that the next time they see somebody who's different, instead of staring and laughing or whatever in a negative way, they could just come up and say hi. And, and how powerful would that be? How amazing would this world be if we decided instead of being scared or in sca- instead of just not approaching somebody because they're so different from how we are, how we live, we just go up to them and, and ask them what their name is or just say hi. It truly could change their life and yours.
0: That's that's an incredible way of putting it, Brandon. Uh like and, and that shift, that mindset of stepping out of your own head and looking at people like, hey, they're just curious. Using that language changes the whole dynamic of when, when when instead of feeling judged or feeling alone, it's like, oh, someone they're just interested i'd never seen something like this before um whether you go out and engage that or whether you're just passing through but processing it in that manner takes up a whole lot of weight of of you know separation of anger or resentment and just like oh they're just tapping into being what a human character trait which will comes up with anybody that in that certain circumstance exactly uh, the was there somebody in your life as you're growing up uh, and that saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself?
1: Interestingly enough, um, beyond my parents, who who have already mentioned, I found a friend in my middle school librarian. And you asked me before if I had anybody during those years where I felt alone and really bullied. Yeah, I, I had a couple people here and there that sometimes acted like they wanted to be my friend, but I didn't really feel like I had anybody that I could rely on, except my middle school librarian. And she, starting in, I think the seventh grade, um, I spent a lot of time in the library. I think I started eating lunch there because I I didn't want to have to deal with what the other kids were doing or saying in the lunchroom. And so she would eat lunch with me and she just, open up to me as I opened up to her and though she's maybe 40 or 50 years to my senior, she literally became one of my closest friends and and mentors and confidants and I became one of her closest friends in the process. And it may sound a little bit odd, but it just was the most beautiful thing that both of us needed exactly at that point in our lives. And um, I truly believe the universe put both of us on each other's paths. She said at the end of my seventh grade year, I don't remember this story. This is how she tells me. Uh, She was having a conversation with me at the end of the school year that she was planning on retiring and it was going to be her last year. And, uh, I apparently immediately got like tears in my eyes and very very I was devastated um and in that conversation I convinced her to stay another year and uh she later told me that the reason she stayed was because of me and to support me through what was truly one of the darkest periods of my life and it's amazing how unexpectedly people can show up and teach you lessons and give you these messages that are so needed and again you may not understand what timeline you're on or why things are happening the way that they are but just being open to the journey and and being accepting to when somebody is trying to help you in a heartfelt genuine way Seeing that for what it is, I think, is so incredibly important because there are times that all of us feel alone, but the truth of the matter is we always have somebody. There's always somebody that we could turn to, that we can talk to, and that we can trust, and we have to remember that in our periods of darkness that we can't do this alone. We could only go so far by ourselves, but when we're able to bring others on and get the support and love and care from them, we level up.
0: Um, hashtag# level up <laughs> yeah I'm just I, I sit here in amaze because at twenty one and I, I I was trying to do everything on my own. I mean I, I was in and out of therapy since I was 14. 13, 14 years old. However, even in those moments, they weren't always necessar- like I didn't process them in a way. I always felt like it was always back on me. I, it, it, I didn't use it as a crutch. I used it more as like an obligation, you know, whether my parents were going there or just it was always out of desperation. There was no maintenance to the mental health. It was like, okay, I hit the rock, I hit another rock bottom, jumping back into therapy and, and just like get out of that darkness until I was able to yeah. coast by. So it was only later on in my, in my later 20s that I started to realize the power. And the necessity of asking for help and building that network of tools through therapy, through mentorship through uh, building close friendships and and, and, and trusting taking a leap of faith of trust you know because earlier on, similar to your story um, I, being bullied as well through my middle school and teen years, I lost. Uh, trust in in people and trust in 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 God. To be honest, so there was no ability to be able to lean on and like, why would I ask for help? There was no one to ask for help for. But like you just beautifully mentioned, that there's, there is there there are so many there are people out there who care. There are tools out there at one's disposal to reach out and lean on and to and to ask for help. And it doesn't make us less than, but it makes us. Human, like you said, team. Human. And I think
1: it makes us even stronger and even more courageous when we're able to get help and get support and say, "You know what? I can't do this alone." And that's so okay. And it's it's what we should be doing at really every stage of life: getting counsel, getting advice, getting tools, and and things that we need to keep absorbing at the different stages of life that we're in. And it's okay to not have all the answers and to not have everything figured out. That's also what it means to be a human. And I think what every other person can truly relate to.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they say when it comes to business, right? When a business says like, oh, we've been doing this all this time. This is how we've been doing it it's, it's, it's suicide for the actual business, right? If you're not innovating, if you're not growing and that could be taken over to one's personal life as well. If you're like, Oh, I got it now. I'm good. I'm coasting. Then I, I think you want limits himself to the possibilities of growth and, and, and the magic of the process and, and growth yeah. and, and as a human being. So I 100% agree with, with that. Um, Brandon, how, you know, there's most people can grow up and have their challenges and, and difficulties and, and, and they can wait for somebody else to step in, right. And to, and to make a change or not. But here you are, you know, at a very, you know, young age, you stepped up and you made real change within your state. You put, you, you, you got in front of um, different committees and you got the anti-bully law passed within the state of Virginia. And you also got uh, that within the Virginia public schools curriculum that they should be teaching empathy. Does t- take me to a to your to this mindset or to the process of like these are tremendous achievements and and real real grounded in reality that are really going to be affecting now people moving forward, kids, teens, adults. How do you move that from a place of just thought or like, oh, this should take place, or I wish this happened or this existed in the world, to being, hey, wait a second, no one else is doing this. Let me go and do this.
1: And that's exactly what happened with both myself and my parents. We, through the experience of all of the severe cyberbullying that I was going through in high school and hitting brick wall after brick brick wall with the school administration and then the police department not being able to do anything, even though it was death threats and people saying that they were going to come to my house and other things, it apparently wasn't specific enough. And they all, all the different things that happened somehow would, would find loopholes and ways to go around the system so that the quote unquote things meant to protect the bully, the the victims of bullies, unfortunately those were, were non-existent. And so we very quickly realized we had to be our own advocates and the people that Said, if this isn't already in place, how do we get it in place? How do we bring this situation that I'm not alone in? I'm certainly one of maybe thousands at that time that was going through that. And I know by now it must be so many more who are the victims of cyberbullying and harassment and different things that go on. And so we had a friendship with a delegate here in Virginia. And she learned about my story and how I basically had to leave my high school because I didn't feel safe anymore. And I had to start online school, which it sounds like a bad thing. It ended up being the biggest blessing for me. But um, so I- Why is that? I I was able to finish my schoolwork in about 15 minutes a day. And- (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I was also through that, so it, it's really interesting how how it happened. November of so Thanksgiving break ish of my junior year, the cyberbullying got so severe. A new Instagram account was created that had anti-Semitic and the most vile and disgusting language. Uh, about me, targeting me, that basically took content from my TEDx talk, from my Instagram, um, like the the positivity stuff that I was yeah. trying to to do, and distorted it, and said just these absolutely horrific things about me that I should have been gassed in the Holocaust. Um, again, that the world would be a better place if this ugly midget killed himself. Um, just truly, I think some of the the worst things that. We could say to another human being, um, and it's yeah, yeah it, it's, it, it's it,
0: insane to think that there's people like who are going through so much pain or so much disconnection from their own yeah. being and feelings that they take effort. You know, it takes effort to put a page together, to to edit these videos, yeah. um, and to go out and and this is their way of just trying to be seen or to be heard or, or to like, right. hey, I, I exist. Sorry, you went through that, Brandon.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. But you know what? I'm I'm really grateful that I did because through that, I was able to through and also the the added time that I had in the day not having to sit in school for six hours and having everything done in 15, 20 minutes a day, I decided to start speaking out and sharing my story more and more. This was two years after I gave my TEDx talk. So I was already being invited to speaking engagements and some different opportunities and I wanted to really take advantage of that. And so that's exactly what I did at the age of 17. I became a professional speaker and I also decided to testify at the Virginia General Assembly upwards of maybe 10 different times to different subcommittees and committees and then uh two different governor administrations and i've been able to help get two laws that are now signed into legislation um, one on anti-bullying and then another one that literally requires empathy and social and emotional learning to be in the public school curriculum in every classroom starting in kindergarten to seniors in high school and While it's not "quote unquote" groundbreaking and it's not earth shattering, it's a step, and it is, in my opinion,
0: tremendous.
1: That's (laughs)
0: tremendous. I mean, Brandon, I think that. I mean, anybody who's listening, and uh, it's it's like, I mean, the limitations that we we put ourselves in, like you know, here you like, oh, I'm not old enough. I don't have enough resources. These are all just like false beliefs. Or when I get older, I'll be able to do some X, Y, and Z. You're never too young to step up and to create change and to and to make an impact yeah. in the world. Whether it is uh, building your own business around a passion that you love, or or st- going in front of committees and and stopping bullying or to or to promote empathy, it's it's such a tremendous thing. I know for my own self, I was like, oh, when I get older, when I become an adult, I'll you know take life more seriously, seriously, I'll be able to make a, a bigger change. And that's as bogus, That is, and even more so now with the tools that we have and the access that we have, I think the only thing that we have to get over is, and especially this is to young people, is to like those false beliefs, those limitations that we put on ourselves, that I'm too young, that I'm not perhaps, AKA legal, 18 years old, like you've got a platform. There are so many ways and and you're a beautiful example to showcase and, and it's amazing that you do that to show, hey guys, here I am, I'm doing this, so can you in your own respectable fields and what you're passionate
1: about. And I think it also shows that you don't need to be a celebrity, an influencer, a millionaire, any of yes. those titles to make a difference, to make impact and to make change. It starts with what you already have and that's what I really want everybody to to really absorb that what you the network and, and the platform that you already have, even if you don't think you're somebody that people look up to or consider a role model or a change maker or any of that, you still have influence. And it is so vital to use that platform in a way that properly represents you. And I'm not saying that you have to be really careful about every single thing that you post and and act like this is your full-time job and edit and blah, blah, blah. But I am saying, number one, that even if you delete something, it's always there on social media. And that especially goes for our young friends that are listening. I'm not trying to sound like a dad here, but please trust me, it stays online. And there are ways to be tracked. And all of that, so just don't do anything stupid. Don't be somebody that you don't want your parents seeing. I I think that's just kind of a a good blanket statement. And the other thing that is really important to remember is that there's somebody on the other side of the screen. And you may not think that person is going to be affected by the message or the post or the picture or whatever you're sending to them. But you would be surprised what people absorb and and have stick with them. And yeah, I I just think social media could be such a powerful tool on both sides of the coin. And it's up to us how we choose to use it every day.
0: Yeah, yeah, tremendously. I, I wanted to ask you, Brandon and I want to I want to actually jump into after this into like I know you you consider yourself a, a Gen Z activist and I want to delve more into what that is and 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 the mentality and and the mindset of of, of Gen Z. Um, but before I do, I want to ask, how do you deal with acceptance? You know, like you are building this mindset and you're and you're growing, and the fact is, you wake up in the morning and you're still in this body and you're and you're you're, you're you know this is this is the the package that you've been given how do you practice acceptance in your in your daily life that is able to, for you to be able to continue and to keep on keep on keeping on
1: yeah it's <laughs> it's for sure a daily practice and i want to emphasize that word practice because it's not something that i've i've yet mastered and i'll be completely open and raw with that that i still have days that i really don't like being in this body and i look in the mirror and i i don't appreciate who i see looking back at me and uh i i think that i'm going to be alone and and all of these things that i know aren't true yet they sometimes fill my brain and that's where you could do all this work and be immersed in personal development and self improvement but your mental health still can be affected. And again, I'm just a prime example of that and I'm one of many. And so for me, it's trying to see myself for more than my work and more than who I'm known for because I've, I've learned that if I solely associate my identity with that version of Brandon, I'm gonna be left with nothing when I'm alone and when I, I go back to my hotel room or I go back to my apartment at the end of, and speaking engagement, at the end of a trip. And obviously this is pre COVID, but learning, this was, I think one of the biggest lessons that quarantine slash COVID taught me is that I put all of my self-worth into My accolades into the attention that I got into who I got treated as when people saw the Brandon that all of you are listening to right now. Instead of seeing Brandon for being three foot nine and being different, and that's it, which I feel like a lot of people do when they don't get to see or hear or learn from who I really am. And that's what speaking allows me to do. I I get to be treated like a human being. And it's been really hard not having that in my life. Um, Just going, I guess, back to the, the world that I'm... Uh, I'm living in on a daily basis that naturally doesn't always accept me and and isn't reactive to seeing me in a very positive way a lot of the times. And I'm not trying to make it seem like every interaction I have, or every time I'm in public, uh, something bad happens because it doesn't at all. But what I am saying is, is that's the reality of my life. And I found that no matter how much I try and keep myself busy and do all of these projects and continue to get accolades and, and attention, it's not going to fill that void if I don't give myself true self-love and, and true acceptance on a very deep level. And that's what I'm still working on. And I started online therapy a few months ago, a couple months into quarantine, which has been a huge gift for me. And I think it's just so, it's okay to not just be in a place where you still have work to do on yourself because that's also one of the constants of life. We're never perfect. We've never fully evolved. But the other is to learn to love the person that you're you're working to become and also the person that you already are even with the faults even with the things that that you are self-conscious about or that you wish you could change this is who i am and i could either resent that and i could be angry and i could be sad that that's the reality or i could choose to not be the victim and be ten feet tall, and not be defined by any condition, any word, any label, any whatever that I choose is not a part of who I am.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Brandon. Yeah, the the two things I think is uh, we touched on here is is a the acceptance aspect, and I I don't think anybody has to be physically in in your in going through what you're going through but as as being part of the human condition we always come up against on a daily basis situations places people things in our lives that we we have a hard time accepting usually if i find myself in any type of frustration any time of you know disarray uh emotionally imbalanced it's because i'm not accepting the reality that's taking place whether it's something that's not going the way i wanted to go my plans whether i'm in a, in a at a party and it's you know it's not going right or or whatever that may look like it's and I, I realize when I just take a moment to breathe and just understand like, what am I, I'm, what am I fighting against and just be in flow and just accept my feelings. Don't judge them, accept the relationship or situation that I'm in right now and just be in that It's there's nothing to resist against and I'm able to get through that or go through that and grow yeah. from that. in some, some, in some, some, some occasions. Um, so I think I, I want people who are listening to get stuck on perhaps your, you know, your act, your specifics of story, but to just reflect on what you're sharing and say, hey, where in my life am I perhaps going? You know, not accepting. Where where can I practice more acceptance in my life? And and I think through that one will find a bit more peace and heart and mind by practicing that a bit more. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, also, you 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 touched on a very important. Uh, uh, Reality, which I've gone through myself, which is you know not to connect one's own self worth with output. You know, what you put out, fantastic is great, but I know I tied in my own brand and my own views and my own journey with who I was, and that was my worth. And if I wasn't working on something very very cool, I wouldn't show. I wouldn't show up to a party. I wouldn't show up to a social then, because what do I talk about? Why would people want mm, me there if yeah. I'm not you know doing something cool? Like, hey, mayor what are you up to? And if my answer was like, oh, I'm in between things, or I don't know, it would, it, I would, I would. Um, I would process that as i'm not good enough or I'm not you know interesting enough, and like why would anybody want to be my presence at that time? so recognizing that and seeing like hey what what you put out there and how you show up and whether it's a brand, whether it's something that is in the public sphere or not don't you one doesn't tie themselves to the outcomes it's all about your efforts it's all about just who you are is good enough you're great, you're whole, you're complete. And everything else is sprinkles, you know. Th- those two things are not necessarily at all intertwined with with your identity and and you being okay. That's okay. So true. Yeah. yeah. Covid really did bring that pause to, to. I think a lot of introspection for people who were putting out a lot and and sort of got caught into the hamster wheel of like self, yeah, self reliance of self onto what is going out there. So. Awesome. You did touch on 10 feet tall. And and so I do want you to, to just, I want to just a put in a little plug in and and let people know that beyond the many, many things, accomplishments that you have put out there that you are in titles, you are an author as well. And, um, just for a brief moment, people can find it of course on Amazon and, um, I'm I'm sure through your, your website, Brandon um, two pointers from your favorite uh, points that you would like to just share from, from your book.
1: What I'm most proud of with the book is that it truly combines all of the tools and most poignant life lessons that I've learned on my journey. I wrote it when I was 18. So it's in that perspective, but I made it in a way that no matter what you're going through, what your challenges are, it's universal. And I'm not saying that you could use this book and snap your fingers and your life automatically changes because that's not how anything works. But it's something that, that you can use to shift your perspective, maybe just a little bit and see things in your own life in a different lens and understand that you don't need to be defined by your past or your mistakes or your condition. And you could create something incredible out of what you've been given and I want to show people how I've been able to do that and how they can too.
0: Huge. Could you share with me what your the hero technique is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Becoming your own hero is something that I would say I didn't know I was doing until I really put some thought behind it and I realized I naturally had a way of empowering myself to not get carried away by the different things that were external and showing up in my life that that I was going through. And that's where having that mindset of knowing your worth, knowing your strength and your bravery and courage is so vital because you're able to know no matter what is going to come up and show up in your life, you have everything that you need to get through that already inside of you. And you have the people and the network to help you get through that as well. Because like we keep saying, doing it alone is only going to get you so far. So becoming your own hero really means stepping into your truth and becoming the greatest version of yourself so that you aren't defined by anything else other than who you choose to be on a daily basis and who you show up as in the world.
0: That reminds me of Matthew Carney, All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, he he says, he was asked like, who's someone that he looks up to? And he, and he said, it's his future self, you know, like I 10 years from now, and then I get there. I'm not that person. It's the 10 years from, from that moment. And it's like always trying to grow into the person and to the potential that he knows he possesses, but someone who doesn't, you know, like we are saying this a lot, uh, about not being alone and using your network. But what about someone who's listening, who who knows deep inside that they have this potential that they want to tap into and they want to grow into? However, they don't know how to get there. You know, perhaps, you know, it's it's within their blind spots. You know, we have our blind spots around our weaknesses, but we also have our blind spots around our strengths. What can be some tools from your own experience that you can share that helps people discover the that strength and potential that they don't know how to get to?
1: Yeah. Something that I think a lot of people get carried away with is purpose. Finding your purpose, tapping into your purpose. In my opinion, I think all of us, if we can follow our passions, follow what lights us up and what what gives us energy and vibrance and that spark of life that we all know that passion is, I think that can take us to showing us what we were meant to do and and show us what our passion is and again don't get carried away by anything else other than you are doing what you are putting out who you're becoming social media unfortunately especially for my generation has made it so we are comparing ourselves to everybody around us and you have to do a lot of work to actively go against that because we are not anybody else. We don't see what's truly going on behind the scenes other than the highlight reel that we get sometimes from our favorite influencers, our favorite celebrities, Instagram stories. So that's something really important to remember too, that reality versus social media sometimes are two very different things and filters versus being real and raw and, and you just, we're living in an, in an interesting time with that. And so don't try and be anybody that you're not. Be you, be okay with being you and understanding that you're not going to have everything figured out you're not going to do things perfectly or do things in maybe a spectacular as a way as you want on the first try that's okay keep going keep adapting keep improving and keep growing because that's what we're all doing that's that's what it means to uh keep evolving and keep going as this world moves very fast around us
0: yeah you touched on you touched on the the difficulties of, of your generation Gen Z and you do come across as a Gen Z activist. What does that, what does that mean?
1: Yeah. I want to really translate to a lot of people that may not understand what this generation that I feel like has gotten a bad rap and some, some bad PR deserved eating Tide pods and other really stupid stuff is uh not not something that i'm proud of on on behalf of my my fellow young people um, but what we are that I think really sets us apart from a lot of the other generations is the willingness to want to make change in really both a micro and a macro scale because for example you have people uh, incredible activists like Greta Thunberg who are leading the climate change movement and and really making incredible efforts with that and then you also have people that are working in their own communities in their own quote-unquote small ways but are still making huge impact for those that are affected by it and I'm incredibly proud of the work that we continue to show adults many years our senior who really have failed to take any action. And it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's about creating the world that we wish to live in. We wish our future generations to live in. And it's also just having a different perspective based on where we are now, if that makes sense. And I think the, the state of the world and the reality has made my generation to where we are in terms of wanting to mobilize, wanting to take action and actually doing so because of the vast resources and tools that we are given with social media and technology and truly it is one of the most amazing periods to be alive, I think, right now, to have access to the technology and, and this podcast, for example, I know is reaching people throughout all corners of the globe and without technology, without the ability to do that, I mean, think about where we would be. So. It's it's really just cool to see all these different movements and initiatives and organizations that are continuing to make actual change and, and take massive action, not just do little things here and there, which is okay. But I don't think that's what my generation is about. We want things done differently and we want them done now.
0: What do you think are some of the challenges that Gen Z faces that previous generations didn't face?
1: I think a big one is what we talked about before. It's social media, how it's making us kind of diminish who we really are. And it distorts the line between what natural and and real beauty is versus what Photoshop and these different apps distort our reality to to making us think, oh, this is what beauty has to be. I'm not beautiful because I don't look anything like that person or whatever is so dangerous. And it's also so not true. And so the more and more, which I think we're doing a really good job slowly, but surely talking about things like mental health that dramatically does reduce the stigma because the more and more that we could be open about it and talk about it the more other people will say you know what i'm going through something similar and it spreads and it spreads and that's so powerful in itself and other things like disability inclusion how people are now seeing that we don't need to just have different races. We need to have all different abilities included in the workplace, included in employment and in business and in all these different things. So the more and more perspective I think that's that's offered and the more that we could have representation to is absolutely massive. And that's an, another area where I feel like my generation has taken social media and said, if we don't see what is already being done, that, that is out there, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to be the creators. We're going to be the innovators and amazing things have happened because of that.
0: Is there a way that the previous generations could help out or, or figure out and understand Gen Z and what areas could that, could that show up a bit more powerfully?
1: The big thing I would say is to listen and to not, this actually goes for both sides to our friends listening who are Gen Z and and who are on the younger spectrum, but then who are in the older generations as well. Listen, and don't walk into a conversation already thinking you know an answer, or you already know what somebody else is thinking or what their side is or whatever. I think that also creates a lot of just miscommunication, misinformation, that sort of thing that just doesn't need to be there. And so if you could walk into a situation being genuinely interested in listening to what the other person has to say and having that respect for knowing that we could learn something from every human being, from every interaction, every conversation, we could learn something. It doesn't have to be the cure to cancer that we talk about, but it, could be maybe just something small that we pick up on and, and that we learn from somebody else. And I think also having that mentality and that mindset doesn't dismiss anybody. It doesn't make anybody have like a, a hierarchy or, or making people above or below you. Somebody that is homeless can contribute just as much value as somebody that is worth $50 million. And we sometimes get caught up in the numbers and the flashy stuff and forget about the human on the other side of that.
0: Absolutely. Before, I really appreciate the time you put towards this uh, podcast today, uh, Brandon. Before we do uh, sign off, I want to ask you, what is a great day for you?
1: Great day for me, I would say I am either at the beach or I'm out in nature somewhere really beautiful and pristine and I'm just chilling and taking in the, the sights and, and maybe either with somebody that um, I am close to or being by myself. Uh, but yeah, I, I love nature. I absolutely love being in uh, really nice environments and, and in the sun. So that, and, and also just being able to not be locked into anything and and having the freedom to do what I want, uh, is, is a great day as well. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Brandon, how could people find out more about you and, and keep up with what you're up to?
1: I would love to stay connected on social media. Instagram is where I hang out the most. My username is my last name at Farbstein, F-A-R-B-S-T-E-I-N. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn as Brandon Farbstein. And you could visit my website, brandonfarbstein.com.
0: Awesome sauce. Brandon, thank you so much for joining the Great Day Podcast today. And for all those who are listening, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Big shout out to Brandon. Check out his book, 10 Feet Tall, if you found it on Amazon. And for all those who are listening, don't forget to subscribe. If you found any value on this podcast, please do share it with your friends, your family. Share the love, share the knowledge, share the wisdom, share the good vibes. And until next time, wishing you a great day. Much
1: love, Mayor. Thank you.
0: That's a wrap on this podcast episode with Brandon Farbstein. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the channel. It goes a long, long way to this podcast episode and to the many others that will be coming to you every Monday. We are dropping and sharing the Great Day Podcast every single Monday. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and comment. Thank you, Brandon, for joining the podcast today. And thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor K, and have a great day.